What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Beers with Dad, the Austin-based pod hosted by three guys, each on our own journey. Our paths cross at the intersection of fatherhood and craft beer. Go ahead and test-click your barbecue tongs, clip your cell phone to your belt, lace up those new balances, and have a cold one with us. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It is another week with you here today. It's John, Chris, and Nick. Hey, fellas. How's it going? What is up, guys? Good to see your beautiful faces again. Good to see you both, as always, my fine feather gentlemen. So it's been a couple weeks since we have sat down. Um, Sometimes family comes before silly things like podcast, but glad to be back. And I definitely want to catch up and see how things have been going for y'all. And, you know, we do that with a little high-low buffalo. So, Chris, I'm going to let you kick it off for us. What is your high-low buffalo? Well, it's funny you should mention family. Uh, So my high for... Uh, since we last spoke is uh, getting to spend some time with both sides of my family. So I got to see my sister that lives in new Orleans and my uh, other sister that lives in Norway for a few days. We got together in Louisiana for a few days uh, and we're able to just hang out, reconnect and uh, spend some quality time together. And then after that, Uh, so we parked the RV on my brother-in-law's land. My brother-in-law has some ridiculous amount of space in, uh, South Carolina, like 60 acres. And we brought the RV to his house and camped there for, uh, a while and got to spend some time with him and his wife. And then my mother-in-law uh, was also able to drive up from Texas. And so spending time with family, definitely the high over the last couple of weeks. Uh, my low is uh, the untimely passing of Foo Fighters drummer, Taylor Hawkins. I was very sad to hear that. He was a great drummer, great singer, great musician. Uh, and will be missed sorely. So RIP Taylor Hawkins for my Buffalo. So I am recording today from the lovely city of Asheville, North Carolina, which is a great, uh, it's a great beer city. Uh, If you are, you know, looking for a place to take a little vacation and you are into drinking beer like I am, like the rest of us are, Um, highly recommend Asheville, North Carolina. It's a great beer town, but my Buffalo is, uh, you know, I was very much looking forward to checking out burial, uh, beer company here in Asheville. They've done a couple of collabs with pine house before who you have heard us talk about. Um, so very much looking forward to checking out that, that, uh, brewery. My Buffalo is how insanely long, the names of their beer are. I felt like I was reciting a sonnet every time I ordered a beer. Just in case you don't believe me, here are a couple of of examples. So uh, one was a pontificating diatribe of non-sequator. What? Another example is until madness subsides, we remain never still. And then Another example, which is actually a very good IPA, is just to be disoriented and staring into middle distance. 
good beer, very long title. So that's my Buffalo. I think when presented with that type of menu, I usually resort to just ordering the styles. <laughs> well, yeah. I, Although they, uh, yes. the titles are fun to say. They're fun to say, but man, it just it's so awkwardly long. Like I'm ordering a beer. I feel like I've been talking for five minutes by the time I finish ordering the beer. It's uncomfortable. There are beers out there with long names uh, that like, you know what the shortened version is and you'll order by that. But when you're not familiar with the brewery, you don't want to try and be the hip guy. That's like, Oh, I'll take uh, the, the pontification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I don't care how long their beer names are. I'll just drink them all day long, but it's an awkward situation for sure. Yeah. Great beers. Uncomfortably long titles. Thanks for sharing, Chris. Nick, what do you got for us? Glad you asked, John. Here in Texas, I have what I like to call early summer, which, you know, the rest of the world might call spring. But here in Texas, we have early summer. Things are starting to warm up. The grass is starting to come out of its dormancy. You're starting to hear a lot more lawnmowers uh, on the weekends. Uh, The flowers are blooming. And you start hearing about festival lineups. And so my high uh, for this past couple of weeks has just been the amount of festivals being in the works, the the lineups that are coming out. It is festival season, y'all. And I am pumped. It feels like it's been gone longer. And I know we kind of had an abbreviated festival season last year in 2021. Uh, I feel like this year is going to be where we finally – you know, approach that level of uh, confidence and being able to attend shows and, you know, have shows be attended the, that, that, you know, they're not going to be canceled outright or have to reschedule them. And so I'm just looking forward to all this live music that's going to really blow through because I feel like everybody's got a lot of making up to do and we're trying to cram it all in yeah, as quickly as possible. Uh, so that's been my high, just thinking about all that. Switching gears a bit from my low, as you may or may not know, we have a son uh, is now approaching 22 months old, uh, and he has decided within this last week to really, really turn up the notch on temper tantrums that he's going to throw. So I feel like he's he's been practicing uh, uh, turning two years old, uh, trying out his terrible twos uh, this past couple of weeks, and... I just want to warn everybody here that knows us and I apologize in advance. Uh, It's going to be epic. It's going to be loud and possibly painful. And I mean that in a literal sense, not looking forward to that, but it's, you know, part of life. We, uh, we all go through it to, you know, varying degrees and man, I just feel like we're about to get it. And then Buffalo there was a spontaneous burger off that occurred at our house, uh, Crystal and I's house over the weekend. Uh, we were both making different types of sliders, and uh, all of our guests, house guests at the time, were judges. So that was fun. Uh, and I don't, I won't say who won because really we were all winners because they so were all Crystal. Excellent. But somebody definitely won, and Crystal knows who it is. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, John. Throwing out to you. How'd you, how are you doing? Just to let you know, the temper tantrum, thinking it just has to do with the terrible twos, we are going on, let's see, 
kit is now, if we're measuring him in months, rolling rolling to uh, 42 months almost. So he's uh, almost three and a half. And the terrible twos are still going on. So could be in for a little bit of a long stretch there, bud. Oh, I hear. I've always heard that threes are worse. Yeah, I'm fully expecting that we're just, you know, tip of the iceberg. You know, we're just getting a little taste. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where they just they throw some of the most epic temp- temper tantrums. And then right when you're about to just absolutely lose it, they pull you back in with something super sweet. And you're like, all right, fine, I'll keep you. <laughs> Terrible twos into three major into F it, I'm four. I don't know. Good luck there. Appreciate it. Hi for me. Couple things. One, uh, I get to get off blood thinners because I don't have a blood clot anymore, which is pretty cool. I never thought like anything was going to happen, but then you just hear those crazy stories, and I was—I'm terrible at taking medication. Like, I even set reminders on my phone, and I'm still like, "Oh, did I did it? Did I take it and just forget to hit the reminder?" So glad that that's over and that I don't bruise like a rotten banana. Um, also got the little one riding a bike and feeling empowered on a bike, which was fun. I forgot from um, when our daughter learned to ride a bike, just how frustrating it can be just teaching them the motion of pedaling and just like keep going. And it's actually harder if it's, if you pedal slower, it was pretty fun. Uh, he got in a couple little, a couple little crashes, but popped up from them. So proud of that. You know, just kind of one of those classic parenting moments of, getting to do something that'll stick with them for their for the rest of their life and getting to see kind of the genesis of that. My low, a lot of times I don't like to cross over and duplicate lows, but I will have to stick with Chris and uh, say that the passing of Taylor Hawkins um, in the social media world, Uh, I see a lot of times where people try and personalize celebrity deaths. And um, I know that there are a lot of people, lot uh, many, many people who this death is way worse for than me. And thoughts definitely going out to his family. I mean, he has three young kids, uh, his wife, he's 50 years old, still a young dad, you know, his bandmates. I mean, he's been playing with the Foo Fighters since 1997. And I know... When he um, when he overdosed many many years ago and went into a coma, uh, Dave Grohl was talking about not playing music anymore, and so just thinking about what the fallout is. I mean, they were you know getting ready to play a show, and then that happened. So um, it, you know, and the Foo Fighters have also been a band for us that's kind of taken us through the pandemic, kind of been our pandemic band as well as uh, they. I've had quite a few of their songs get me through tough times in the past. So it was just, I'm laying there uh, in bed on Friday night, scrolling through the news before I go to bed. And I see that and it's just more than I think a lot of other celebrity death just really kind of took the wind out of me because it it just didn't seem real. Um, Just so full of life and just seemingly such a good dude. So sucks that, you know, we only got 50 years out of him, but still heck of a run of 50 years and we can't avoid death on this show uh my my buffalo so we've been getting into disc golfing a bit i don't know why it took us this long to kind of revisit it uh we 
played when my daughter was a bit younger for whatever reason. I mean, like, duh, this should have been an activity we were doing during the pandemic and it wasn't whatever. I imagine a lot of the people in our audience have heard of and or played disc golf. It's golf with frisbees, essentially, that are different sizes and shapes and weights and whatnot. Uh, And then there's a uh, chain net whole thing at the end basket if you will so we got back into it because like to get outside like nick said uh we've got a solid two or three weeks before it's 195 degrees with 600 percent humidity and we're like hey let's try disking again um so we started doing that pretty regularly we were playing yesterday at a course near us And my wife took my son to the car because he actually fell asleep on the course. And uh, I was trying to I was trying to throw her driver because it had been hooking and I wanted to see if it was the disc or her. I took her driver and reared back and just chunked it as hard as I could. Unfortunately, threw it real hard right at a tree and it exploded. Like, I don't I don't mean like like a little crack. I mean, like just both pieces. It was like, uh, it was like somebody had like was skeet shooting with a disc instead of skeet and just kaboom. So that was a bit unexpected. Now, uh, backstory, the discs are like 20 years old, so not surprised that they exploded, but still surprising. Well, fellas, Thank you all for sharing, for catching us up, letting us know what's been going on in your lives. But we don't like to just tell you our high-low buffalo, this is a beer show, and we like to tell you about interesting things we've had since we last got together. So Chris, I know you mentioned that you were at Burial and you're in a great beer town, but uh, what else have you been drinking? Well, uh, I'm I'm going back to Burial uh, because they're their beer is amazing. And also, uh, you know, I took Nick's advice and I started with the Pilsner and it worked out really, really well for me because it was one of the shortest named beers that they had there. Uh, the shadow clock German style Pilsner is my, uh, what you drinking. It was impeccable. Just a great Pilsner. Nice peppery, lemony, grassy notes. Um, and I highly recommend it. Again, if you're in the area or see it in the store somewhere, pick up that pills. Very nice. Always good for a Pilsner. Nick, what's you drinking? Mine isn't quite as exciting. And uh, it's something that I will say that is, uh, you know, technically in the strictest interpretation of this segment is, it's something that was interesting to me at the time. It was something that was kind of impulsive to me at the time as well. It was uh, sitting there in one of those checkout coolers that are by the registers uh, at grocery stores in this particular Target. Uh, it's <laughs> a, it, it was, I'm not going to say Starbucks the name. Frappuccino. I don't know if eh, you've heard of it. No, no, it's a little more, you know, <laughs> a little more tertiary to what we normally discuss than Starbucks. But the it was it was a, a hop tea it was somebody had made a can of green tea with mosaic hops added i was intrigued 
I typically like both of those things. Mosaic hops, uh, which we previously discussed, are uh, one of the you know more popular and uh, flavorful hops on the market out there right now. Uh, green tea. I like green tea. Nothing against green tea. I will drink green tea. Uh, adding those two together in this particular instance, I felt was it, it could be improved. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting, I suppose. Uh, it, it tasted like somebody added hot pellets to a batch of green tea, which, you know, after reading the label, I don't know what I was expecting, but the, the, the flavors to me were very distinct from each other. There was no blending of the hoppiness and the green tea-iness. I felt confused as to what I was drinking and uh, I did not end up finishing it. So uh, how about you, John? You, you drinking anything that you're actually enjoying? <laughs> well, I just drink trash water, and it's uh, very unpleasant, and these people should know. I think at some point, because I've seen so many of these hop teas, hop waters, like uh, inquiring minds want to know, and we should probably sit down and talk about what they are and try different ones out. Like I know Chris, you had thrown out that idea because I've seen the hop teas and the hop waters. And my concern is that it's going to taste like what you're describing, Nick, because like to me, hops work in beer because there's other things in there. Like I just, uh, I, I think you need more than to like balance it out. I mean, yeah, it tasted very much like just an added flavor. It didn't taste that like it was, you know, supposed to be there. And that's not how I like my beverages described. It didn't taste like it was supposed to be there. Well, you know, interestingly, I've had a beer from uh, Green Cheek. I think, mm. what are they, out of, out of the, they're on the West Coast somewhere, San Diego, maybe. That was, it was called Matcha Obliged, which was an mm. IPA with matcha tea i thought that was phenomenal i've had i think it's uh doesn't stone make a green tea ipa they have yes um i haven't seen it in a bit but they have made a green tea ipa in the past so i know it can i know it can be done but i think you just have to have more there well and it's it's also these non-alcohol this is a this was a non-alcoholic beverage i don't know if i made that clear from the get-go but this was a non-alcoholic uh, sparkling beverage of green tea and mosaic hops. And it, yeah, like I said, I was confused about what I was drinking. Nice. It tried, it tried to be both and it, it wasn't either one. So my, what you drinking, I was really looking forward to this beer. I like a lot of the things we've talked about 903 before, um, out of North Texas. And I like the office. I'm not, Somebody who's like, I, I, I wouldn't do well in office trivia. I can't quote back episodes, but you know, I like a lot of people of this generation. I enjoyed the office. I'll go back to it from time to time, unless it's Scott's tots, which I can't watch. 903 put out a pretzel day beer and it's got Michael Scott on the can and it's a stout. I'm going to read to you the adjuncts. Now, if you are an Office fan, you'll probably recognize these adjuncts because it is from the Pretzel Day episode. But this 
Stout has uh, salted pretzel, glaze, cinnamon, chocolate, white chocolate, fudge, M&M's, caramel, mint, marshmallow, peanut, toffee, coconut, peanut butter, Oreos, sprinkles, cotton candy, and powder sugar. It was fun. I will say I had, I've had two of these so far. It's a four pack. I bought it a couple weeks ago. I had the first one cold and then the second one I let warm up a little bit. Uh, Cold, all I got was sweet. Just, it was just, hey, this is a really sweet stout. When I let it warm up a bit, I could start picking out little flavors here and there, get a little bit of peanut, peanut butter, get a little bit of cotton candy, but it's just really sweet. It's like diabetes in a glass. The other thing I thought was interesting is that I found it to be a bit thin and I thought that was kind of, uh, I would have liked a little bit more of a robust kind of thicker feeling stout to carry so many adjuncts. Overall, I think as a one-off, this was a lot of fun and just really, really crazy. And uh, yeah, I think it'll take me another couple weeks, maybe like another month to finish the other two. Good job, 903. You made another fun beer and you paired it with one of the silliest things from the office. So well done there. Now, if they actually used every single one of those adjuncts, I would have been fascinated to be there on brew day for that. I'm sure they did to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously there's different ways of administrating all that, but that would have been a fun brew day to uh, to be at. That's that's definitely one one way to put it. It would have it would have been interesting. That's for sure. Very interesting. This week, you're going to get to know a little bit more about us. Should be a shoot from the hip type question. Not a lot of thinking, not a lot of preparation, but you're going to get to know our host. As we said, we all love baseball and it's coming back this week. Opening day is on Thursday. Thank you. I, I had the seventh in my mind, but Wednesday also. So I was confused. But yes, it's Thursday. What is your favorite snack at the baseball park? I will give you a second to think about that as I tell you mine. And it is something that I don't feel like my trip to the ballpark is complete without. And that is a bag of peanuts in the shell. It's my go-to. I don't care what else I have. I don't like, I don't have to have a beer at a game. I don't need anything else, but by golly, I'm going to have a bag of peanuts at a baseball game. It's it's something that is just synonymous to baseball for me. Chris, Nick, are you ready to jump in on this? You already spoke my fire from the hip answer, so I'll give you my second fire from the hip answer, and that's a corn dog. Now, I'm not even sure if that's a common staple at most major league parks, uh, but that is instantly where my mind went was corn dog. I don't know why specifically corn dog over hot dog, maybe because it's a little more hands, you know, cleaner on the hands. Yeah. If you're just holding it by the stick, you know, the, the mustard and ketchup application is still quite similar and very easy to apply. <laughs> if you're taking in uh, uh, wind resistance uh, and relative, relative weight, uh, uh, gravity ish. I mean, this is I, what hemisphere are we in? First of all, because that's important too. Which way are the toilet swirling? um but yeah no that i mean for for all you said the correct answer here is is a bag of uh shelled peanuts not shelled sorry uh still in the shell peanuts 
but I will I will say corn dog. Fantastic, Chris. Okay, well, what you got? I agree with both of you. Favorite ballpark snack is peanuts in the shell. When New Orleans had a minor league baseball team, the Zephyrs, the Zephyrs, yeah, and then the baby uh, cakes, and then the baby cakes. You're right. Um, I was actually at the 1999 AAA. Um, well, I was at their regular season finale which was the game that they had to win to make it into the um AAA World Series so that was a lot of fun uh anyway if you happen to have ever been at a baseball game in New Orleans you could get hot nuts Ooh. which were spicy peanuts in a shell which were fantastic but given that both of you guys already went with uh the nuts my second favorite ballpark snack is nachos. No, oh, it's disgusting. Fantastic. Like that cheese in a can is just so gross. But man, for some reason, it's so much better at a at a ball game. There is something to be said about that for sure. Yeah, it just oh yeah tastes better. Yeah, somehow. But maybe it's the fact that it was two hundred and fifty dollars. I don't know, but. <laughs> Man, those and the the jalapenos that they put on there, like I can, that's a distinct smell. Mm-hmm. I know, mm-hmm. I know they're I know they're pickled jalapenos. You can yeah. buy pickled jalapenos at the grocery store any day of the week, but like <laughs> that ballpark. But can you yeah. buy five gallon cans of it? That's right. There's just something about those Aramark jalapenos. I still remember the first concert I ever went to was uh, Green Day, and I remember getting a concert shirt there. I still have it. It's in my garage. And for the longest time, it smelled like Aramark concession nacho jalapenos. Like somehow it was nowhere near concessions, but somehow that shirt got like nacho jalapeno infused. And for years, it smelled like uh, those jalapenos. You just couldn't get it out. Well, there's no telling how much ambient nacho odors and smells that the, that particular box of shirts had been absorbing through tour throughout the tour. This is, this is accurate. And now nachos make you think of green day now, right? For sure. Oh, they're also playing at Coda this year for F1 concerts. Yeah. I, Jen was like, Hey, you are watching all the F1 races. You really enjoy it. You have liked green day in the past. Like this is perfect. You should go. And I was like, Ugh. what green day was and what green days become just two kind of completely different bands. And I blame it solely on U2. After they hung out with U2, it just all went to hell. And it all became about politics and saving the world. That's a different podcast. Now it's time for Nick to lace up the new balances, put on the jeans with the cell phone holster on the belt, and take over the show. Take take you on a walk down memory lane, make you laugh, give you a situation that he found himself in was a little tricky and then tell us about our style of the week. So I'm fascinated. Nick has got fantastic stories and this is a style of beer that I know very, very little about. So I'm here to learn today. Nick, take it away. Oh, geez. Well, thanks for the buildup that I will strive to maintain the, the, your image of me. I don't know where you got that, but thanks. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm glad you mentioned lacing up the new balances because, uh, my particular memory I'd like to share with you all today has to do with walking. Um, and this is the, the numerous times over the course of my life that I have walked up the, the entrance and exit ramps to, uh, Daryl K Royal Memorial stadium stadium here in Austin, Texas. Uh, that being the the home home stadium, home field of the University of Texas Longhorns, in case anybody was unaware. And a particular memory that stands out uh, through all of those games is the walk up to the stadium and the walk back from the stadium. Because as anybody there is familiar with the area, there is not a lot of parking. So any parking that you are able to find is going to come with quite a bit of a hike to go with it you know, to a, to a younger, younger mind, such as myself at that time, that that walk was just ages long. It took forever. It was never ending. There was always more to go. It was uphill. It was, you know, through bridge over bridges. Uh, I got to watch out for traffic. Uh, I've got to, you know, make sure that I'm keeping up and, no matter how fast I walked, dad was always like a step faster. And so he was always getting <laughs> further and further away. And then I'd have to like basically start jogging to catch up. So just to tie that all back, there was the the first time that I took Vivian to a football, not really a football game. It was, it was the orange and white scrimmage. So it was a, 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 you know, free event to attend. They had a bunch of the you know, similar game time activities over there at Bevo Boulevard now. And uh, we started walking up these ramps to, to get to our seats or, you know, not even to our seats because it's all just general admission. So we started walking up the ramps to, to access the seats that were open. Uh, and as I look back, I hear this. And I realized, oh, my God. It's Vivian is not able to keep up because I am doing exactly what my dad did. And I don't know why I'm walking so fast, but, <laughs> but I'm walking and I'm leaving, you know, I'm leaving her behind. Just, you know, what's the hurry? Just slow down. But I just, it was just like, you know, it, it, those, those moments when it just, you're not looking for them. You're not expecting them. They just happen completely unprompted and out of the blue where it hits you like, you know, a brick wall right in the face is that, oh, my gosh, how did that happen? And you know, it's not not even necessarily, you know, good or bad. It's just, wow, I have so many mannerisms that are exactly like dad. And it wasn't ever planned or thought out. And it just, you know, hits me unexpectedly sometimes, uh, especially with my inter interactions with my children. Uh, but so yeah, that's, and that's always mostly a good feeling, I think. So yeah, there was my, uh, my memory there. So those ramps are brutal. Do you remember, did you ever go to the Astrodome and experience the ramps of death? You know, no, actually, I don't think I've ever been in the Astrodome for any reason, which is weird for me to say that out loud. I feel like that's one of the places that I grew up in. I just, I went to so many baseball games there as a kid. I mean, I've been an Astros fan for most of my life. Well, depending on this influx state I'm in right now, but my grandparents still live in the Houston area. 
Uh, my dad has spent a long time living in the Houston area. So they were just, and there was a point where baseball games were affordable. And so we would just pop over to the Astrodome, but those ramps, holy cow. And you would just cook in them. And I think to get to the second level, there was about 16 ramps. I don't know. Like it just, it felt like, especially as a kid, there was just, they were very, uh, it was a very low slope. And so it felt like you had to climb a ton to get anywhere. Chris, you know what I'm talking about? I sadly, I do know exactly what you're talking about. And when I was, I went to college at U of H and at the time they had fully finished renovating. Uh, I don't know what it is now. T Texas Dow, whatever credit union stadium at the time it was Robertson stadium. They were still renovating that. So we were playing football games in the Astrodome. Uh, and as I think I've mentioned to you guys, I, went to school on a music scholarship and was in the drum line. And they did this dumb thing. Like, why are we doing this? Where the drum line would go play cadences at different parts of the stadium. So I had to carry the biggest bass drum that the school had up all those ramps. And I think, I think there were about six, as I recall, like six ramps you had to go up to get from the field level where we were, up to the top where we did like the last cadence. And it was just, I remember being miserable the whole time. Like, why are we doing this? This is the dumbest thing ever, especially to just sit and watch U of H get smoked by UT. <laughs> UT's got to practice on someone. So yeah, having never been inside the Astrodome, the, the word I always hear from people who have describe it as steamy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, huh? That's 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 what you want your in, inside space feeling like, right? All right, so we'll move on to the dad joke of the week. And I've kind of noted, I don't know if y'all noticed this lately, but Superman has become pretty useless on Wednesday evenings. Did some research on this. He starts going to the weekly Bitcoin meetup. It's his crypto night. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm oh, that well. was, yeah. It's, you know, it's updated. Well done, Nick. Yeah. Hey, we're current here. We're uh, with it. All right. So there I was. And this is a very recent. So there I was. This happened just a couple nights ago. Started building up throughout the day. Uh, Saturday, we met up with some good friends of ours for a play date. They have a daughter that's Vivian's age. And they always get along real well. It's been a while since we've seen them. So uh, we set up a, a kind of play date for the girls to, to play around. Um, we'll, you know, we're catching up. We're just talking and hanging, just having a good time with each other. Um, so, and, and then it just kind of comes up organically. And I, before I knew it, uh, uh, I can say her name, uh, Brooklyn is this little girl's name who, uh, who's our, our friend's daughter. Uh, Brooklyn is going to spend the night with us. I'm like, Oh, cool. We're going to have a slumber party. You know, my daughter, Vivian, your daughter, uh, Brooklyn, we're going to have a, a slumber party with two girls. Uh, so it'll be fun. Yeah. So we're getting that all planned up. Um, turns out we're just going to all meet at our house and uh, continue this this play date. Uh, so the girls can play outside. Uh, we're going to get some uh, burgers going, some sliders going, some hot dogs going. We've got, you know, a little kiddie pool filled. Uh, and then as will happen sometimes is we start getting in touch with more people and it's like, yeah, what are y'all up to? Well, we're having this, you know, I guess we're having a grilling party at our house. Y'all are welcome to come over. 
So more people start coming over, which is fine. The beers start flowing. The burgers are are excellent. We, like I said, we kind of got into a, a impromptu burger off competition. And the next thing I know, there's an additional person spending the night. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Now we've got three little girls of about the same age all spending the night t- tonight. That's going to be fun. And it turned out to be just fine. But it was, to me, kind of like a um, a teaching moment for myself, parenting-wise especially, where it's just like sometimes you just got to roll with the punches because you're not you're not in control. This, I feel like, was a time where I was able to handle that a little better than I have in the past that yeah, you're you're just not in control all the time. And it's it's not something to to panic over sometimes. I think I handled it well. It's weird. That just seems to happen with the Prats. I don't know. It's a lot of impromptu slumber parties. I've seen it happen myself. <laughs> it is I mean I'm yeah, I'm not saying that it just was like completely out of the blue, but it compounded quickly. Trying to make parenting decisions while also trying to uh drink and have a good time. Sometimes they go together. Tell us, uh, tell us what we are going to be discussing and drinking tonight. So yeah, I've been looking forward to this for probably since we started buying all of these styles of beer so we could all have them for this podcast. This particular one was one that I provided and shared with each of you. Uh, it came in a four pack. Uh, so each of you got a bottle and I kept the other two bottles. I... Didn't drink it immediately, but pretty soon thereafter, uh, it did not sit in my fridge long before I drank that extra bottle that I had. And it was so good that I was about to drink that other bottle (laughs) that uh, we had been saving for this particular podcast. But I refrained. You know, I do have some self-control when it matters sometimes. But I have been looking forward to this tasting for a while now. And that is, of course, the... Duchess de Bergeon Flanders Red Ale, or Flemish Red Ale, if you prefer. Uh, it's an old style. This particular one has been, uh, I don't know exactly when they started brewing this particular one, but the brewery that's that makes this, but they've been in business since 1875. So this brewery that specializes in this particular Flanders Red style ale uh, has been doing, you know, at least something similar for a very long time. And just to get into exactly what is a Flanders Red Ale, uh, so it goes through a fermentation process. But this particular style does not get fermented with uh, yeast, uh, which is typically what you would use, this single-cell organism of yeast, brewer's yeast specifically. This one is uh, fermented with bacteria, uh, particularly the lactobacillus, bacillus, lactobacillus bacteria. It's a pretty predominant bacteria inside the human body has a very beneficial and uh, symbiotic relationship with human life, really. When fermented with uh, this particular style of bacteria, it gives it a much more of a sour taste to it. It actually creates some lactic acids, which gives it that nice sour kind of tart flavor. Uh, In addition to that, uh, most Flanders red ales have a lot of kind of a fruit flavor to them, um, especially like plum uh, raisin, raspberry, uh, a little bit of prune in there. Sometimes you get a little more of a kind of orangey spiciness from some of these styles. Uh, no bitterness whatsoever. There, there is probably hops in it, but you don't get any hoppiness 
what you would consider hoppiness out of it at all. The, there is no bitterness. There is no kind of resiny, hoppy taste to it. A good way to think of this style is that it's probably the most wine-like beer style out there. Very different, very dark, not, I'm sorry, dark, uh, robust, I guess would be a better way to say. Very uh, flavorful, very uh, distinctive in, in what flavors you get as well. Uh, these beers are typically blended beers. They, uh, they'll finish their, their brewing cycle. They'll finish fermenting in oak casks. And typically what they'll do is they'll take some older beer that's been aged in oak casks for longer, mix that with some younger beer. And that's really, especially if it's something that you're going to produce commercially, um, that makes it a lot easier to have a more consistent product, a more consistent flavor from batch to batch. Uh, you can you can blend it to taste pretty much. Uh, and that is what this particular brewery does with this particular beer. Gentlemen, any questions, comments, concerns? I miss anything? So one thing I was reading about uh, with these, because there's the like Flemish red, Flanders red, whatever, and then the brown. And I thought it was interesting kind of reading similarities and differences there. I guess part of it is when they throw that bacteria cocktail in there. This one, the red throws it in secondary, and I think the brown throws it in the mash. Something, it was just, it was a timing of of when they threw the bacteria in there. And that they're very, like you said, very similar to like a red wine and kind of the dark fruit flavor profiles. I'll say that this is a beer that I have never had, uh, never had the style and never had this specific beer. I mean, I've had sour beers before, but specifically this one have not had. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I guess, Nick, could you maybe tell us and we could expand upon it later, but how this might be different than some of the sour beers that we're used to, like the kind of kettle sours that are becoming prominent or something like the, you know, Jester King wild ales. Like, well, I mean, so, so we, when you mentioned Jester King and those type of type of sour ales that they make, that is a lot more of a kind of a, a wild yeast strain. So they're still using yeast to ferment those beers uh, in addition to the bacteria, but a lot of those, kind of sour flavors can also be derived from a wild yeast strain, which is uh, your Lambics are a wild yeast strain. Uh, you know, a lot of your other Belgian sour styles are, are wild yeast strains. Uh, and you're able to accomplish that with, you know, specifically with a, a very well-known bacteria that's going to give you pretty predictable flavors. Uh, and then you can further fine tune it with the blending process. I mean, just as a style, this one is probably going to be a bit more consistent than than some of those other sour styles that are out there that, that are available to us um i guess the exception being the kettle sour because that's pretty sciencey controlled stuff as well i think at some point we'll go over different souring techniques chris did you have anything you want to add before we uh crack one i'm i'm like you john i have never had this beer it's a it's a style that i am uh not all that familiar with so i'm looking forward to diving into this one i'll say from the moment i uh popped the top on this like aromas were just like immediate just explosion Mm -hmm. and the color i'm trying to it poured somewhere in the kind of brownish maybe a little bit of red very hard to see through yeah it's a lot darker than i was expecting 
Uh, yeah. And this is one of those styles, uh, one of the few styles, I think, where the flavors are far more strong in the taste than they are the nose. Uh, I feel really? like, uh, a lot of these flavors come through in the nose, obviously, but the taste is just such a burst as intense as that aroma is, uh, the flavor I think really outweighs it. That taste is wild. <laughs> it's pretty instant. It's tart. It's very tart, but not overpoweringly tart. The second sip is much smoother as your body mm-hmm. has been getting over the shock and it's adjusted a little. This is a different kind of sour beer. I don't feel like that that sour kind of punch is as strong and it kind of blends better into the sweetness of it. And so I feel like a red wine, like I'm getting kind of a cherry and you know, raisiny kind of plum type fruitiness to it. The The thing that is interesting to me about this is the carbonation. Very little. Yeah. This beer is almost syrupy. It's got a, a, a thicker consistency to it than it looks, I think. To me, this is a this is a bit of a nightcap type beer. Oh, for sure. I'm not sure I'd want more than one of these in one sitting. Well, not just not so much just that, like. I just mean it's kind of those warming type flavors and I would want to be able to pay some attention to it mm-hmm. when I'm drinking it. And it's not like, hey, I'm going to a barbecue like, man, let's let's grab the Duchess and run. Oh, no, this is like a like this would be like a good fireside beer, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I get the warming, but it's not an alcohol burn. Mm-mm. It's just it's from the. It's from the maybe it's the acidity. I'm not sure, but I was gonna say maybe this maybe the spiciness. Yeah, it's not like drinking, you know, an 11 percent stout. Just totally different kind of burn. Yeah, and only six percent ABV as well. It's not exactly a heavy hitter. I wonder what type of foods would pair with this. A really really pungent cheese. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I was going. Like a Roquefort, maybe a. I almost said Gonzaga, but that's the school. Uh, Organzola. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> smoked Gonzaga. A nice Gonzaga. Gonzaga. <laughs> I think smoke Gonzaga is what happened in the tournament. This is a really interesting beer. Like every every sip is just a whole bunch of different personalities. Yeah. It's almost like the more subtle flavors kind of reveal themselves, but only after you are uh, used to the more... Uh, bold and shocking flavors so it's not something that you're going to pick up on immediately it takes a little while that's 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 something that i like about this beer is that it's it it keeps it you know it's it's like every sip has got some fresh flavors in it that i didn't notice before Mm -hmm. i definitely kind of see that maybe orangey spice note to it Uh, like you were saying nick i mean i know they do use hops in here but they're very very low on the bitterness scale do not think you're walking into this getting any sense of hops mm-hmm. because I, f- I just feel like it blends better. It's not as like, oh, wow, it's sour. And then here's some flavors. Even as uh, fancy as Jester King is, a lot of times I feel like, oh, boom, sour. Oh, and there's the cherries that they 
you know, added 700 gallons to in this batch. Whereas I feel like this kind of the sour is a little bit more tucked into the flavors. And so it's kind of more like you would expect tannins from a red wine. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I just don't feel like they're as distinct of flavors in this beer as some of the other sours I've had. Yeah, they kind of flow into each other as opposed to like, okay, there's that, that, and that. It's okay, cool. What did I just taste? Nick, how did how did you get turned on to this? Uh, I mean, working. He's Belgian. At the hmm. yeah, I started wearing uh, sandals and socks, and it just started coming <laughs> natural to me. <laughs> but no, just uh, working at a large liquor store that that had a, a focus on beer. Like you know, more than than most other liquor stores had, just afforded me the opportunity to just try a, a whole bunch of different styles that I you know probably normally wouldn't have ever tried. That is definitely one of the more unique styles that we have tried here on this podcast, fellas. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that you wanted to give this one a shot on the pod, Nick, because it's a you know, it's definitely not a daily drinker, but no, it's yeah, pretty darn good. And I'm glad that you enlightened us. Yeah, it's it's I feel like it's a pretty not so much under the radar style, but maybe maybe less appreciated styles out there. And so, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we had the opportunity to, to try this. And it's definitely a Belgian style that I can actually get behind, unlike some of the other ones that are just a bit too much bubblegum for me. Gentlemen, great to catch up. Loved the uh, stories and the education, Nick. Cheers, y'all. Until we get together next week. Cheers, fellas. And please don't touch the thermostat. <laughs>